Good morning, everyone. One more time. Is it working? I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. And we do have a group visiting with us. They're from Northeast Church of Christ in Cincinnati. And they've been here for a few days with work projects. And I think there's four adults and 12 youth members. Don't want to say children, youth members. And we're certainly thankful for that and encouragement that that, that gives us to see uh, young Christians and, and, and the adults doing that kind of work. Uh, that's what we need more of, and we're thankful for that. And they'll be going back home this afternoon, and we just pray that they have a safe trip. Also, if you're visiting with us and you're back in the area, we have services at 6 o'clock, except this evening it will be 6.30 because of VBS. So remember that if you come at 6, you're 30 minutes early, so just relax, and everybody else will be here at 6.30. Also, uh, VBS, we appreciate what's been done so far, all the hard work and the, the decorations out there and the projects, it's, it's, it's amazing. And we look forward to this week, and we know it's, it's a hard week for a lot of people, but it's a great week to see the children and, and uh, visitors coming in, VBS. And so we're thankful for this time of year, and, and we just pray for our VBS this week. Also, uh, Adam Gerber uh, has placed membership here last week. Uh, we met with the elders and his desire to be a member here, and we're certainly glad to have him. And, and if you would, raise your hand, Adam, so people will know. Good, good. Uh, we uh, look forward to working with him and, and, and what he can do with us and we can do with him in this congregation. So thankful. Uh, check your journal for the sick and the shut-ins. Uh, there was many mentioned in our Bible class this morning, but uh, we want to remember them and, and check your journal for those who are listed. I would like to read from James chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. James chapter 4, 5 through 10. It says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands. Ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And finally, he says in verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Bow with me as we go to God in prayer.
Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful morning. Father, for the opportunity to be here this morning and to worship you. Father, we're thankful for those uh, who are visiting with us. We're thankful for those from uh, Cincinnati, Father, that's come down to, uh, to do some work around the Tri-State. And, and uh, Father, forget to meeting others and working with others. We're so thankful for that. And Father, we're thankful that they chose to be with us this morning. And, and we pray that you'll bless them and, and, the, and the good things that uh, they have accomplished. And Give them a safe trip back home. And Father, we're thankful for uh, our VBS coming up this week. And for those who are involved, we just pray that you'll bless them. And, and Father, just give them the, the knowledge and, and, and the strength, the encouragement to, to do the job that they want to do. And, and we just pray for safety for all the kids and those who will be traveling. And just watch over and bless our VBS. We're thankful, Father, for this congregation and, and for the good things that get done. And but Father, we know that all good thing comes from you, and especially your son, Jesus, who came and died on the cross for our sins. Be with us this morning, Father, as we worship you, as we worship you in spirit and truth. And, and we pray that we can lay aside uh, any earthly thought, and, and uh, Father, we would just uh, serve you the way that you would have us to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing the first song, please? <clears throat> I do have one announcement before we begin, uh, and he may have announced it before, we got, before I came in. I don't know, but uh, there's no children's Bible hour for the kindergarten through the third grade for the summer, but there will be children's Bible hour for two- to five-year-olds just like normal and they'll meet in the front hall classroom, okay? No children's Bible hour for kindergarten through third grade for the summer. <clears throat> okay, first hymn this morning, number 111, Come We That Love the Lord. <clears throat> Come we that love the Lord and have the glory Yeah. 
Next hymn this morning, number 115, Crown Him with Many Crowns. And after this hymn, Brother James Ward will have our scripture reading and prayer. Crown him with many crowns that have on his throne. Let's go to God and word of prayer. Father, we humbly come to you this day. Thank you so much for our many blessings, Father. Thanking you for this country in which we live, for the community that we reside in, Father, for this church, your church, Father, that we can be a part of. We're thankful for the membership here and the willingness to work together to spread your word throughout uh, the tri-state area. Father, we're thankful for those that have come from afar to uh, help serve your kingdom here as well. Pray that you'll be with our worship this morning, fathers, we've seen songs of praise and hear a message from your word and commune with you, Father. Pray that the things we do are pleasing in your sight. Thank you for the love that you have for us, Father, but the greatest gift that you gave us was your son and his sacrifice on our behalf that we can someday be with you in heaven. Watch over us, protect us, guide us, lead us, and it's through your son's name that we pray. Amen. Scripture readings from the uh, book of Matthew. Twenty-six or twenty-seven, Dickie, I can't remember. Twenty-seven. <clears throat> 
chapter 27, verse 45 and 46. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Next hymn this morning, number 53, at Calvary. Sing the first, second, and the last verse. Here's I stand in vanity and pride. We as Christians, as we're about to partake of the Lord's Supper, I'd like to read a couple, three or four verses from Mark 14, beginning with verse 22, to help us prepare our minds. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for your son who came and died on the cross for each of us. We're thankful for this opportunity that we can partake of this bread which represents his body. Bless each of it as we do so in a way that's pleasing unto you. Forgive us in thy son's name we pray. And amen. you bow with me please father as we're about to partake of the fruit of the vine that represents your son's blood as he died on the cross for us and shed it bless us pray that we look to you for guidance and help we're thankful for your son forgive us in thy son's name we pray and amen
We have finished the Lord's Supper. We now have an opportunity to give back as we've been prospered. If you'd bow with me, please. Father, again, we're thankful for your son who came and died for each of us, for this beautiful day that you've given us, for this place to come and worship you. We're thankful, Father, for the many blessings that, of this life that you've given us, that we will give back a portion today to help carry on the work of, of your church and, and this community, for the work that's going on this week with the Vacation Bible School, with the preschool that's here also, for the many different things that happen through this building and with the people that are here. Bless each of us as we give. Forgive us of our sins. Bless our sick and our shut-ins. In my son's name we pray, and amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 297, I Want to Be a Worker. <clears throat> it's at this time that the young children, those two to five-year-olds, uh, may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> I want to be a worker, 297. <laughs> I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust His holy word.
Invitation to him this morning, number 655. There's a fountain free. 655. Brother Chris. Good morning. The air was cut with the sound of swords being sharpened on whetstones and the sound of leather saddles being tightened. There was an air of excitement in the camp because the men knew they were about to go to battle. David stood there with his 600 men. He was on the run from King Saul, and so he had gone to the Philistines for amnesty, and they had granted it. And so now, with Achish, the king who has, in, who has granted David's amnesty, has allowed him to stay in his country, though he is the Philistine killer, David is allowed to stay here in Philistine territory. Achish walks over to David on this day and says, you can't come with me. They're going to battle. All the Philistine lords have gathered together. They've gathered all their troops. And David has wanted to come into battle with the Philistines to help them win their war against their enemy. But now Achish has come to David and he says, you, you can't come. You and, you and your 600 men, you, you can't come. The other Philistine lords, they don't trust you. They don't like you. They remember Goliath, and they don't, they don't trust you. And so you need to go back home. And David puts up a fight, so to speak, but eventually he does go back to Ziklag, is the name of the Philistine city that they had been living in at that point. It's three days' journey from where the Philistine army is now back to Ziklag. By the time David gets there, he finds a smoldering mess. Another invading army has come past Ziklag. Notice that the army is gone and they had burned it to the ground and taken all the people and all of their possessions captive. David gets there and his own army, his most loyal men, his 600 valiant men that we read about in Scripture, many of these, at least 300 of these guys, are the mighty men you find in Scripture, including Uriah the husband of Bathsheba, they turn on him. And David's actually afraid for his life because they're talking about stoning him. They led, he led them away from Ziklag, away from their families, away from all their possessions to fight in a battle that they didn't care about but that he did seem to care about. And they didn't even get to fight in the battle now. You're beginning to see their disappointment. They didn't even get to fight in the battle. And now they get back to their house after three days marching. They get back to their houses and their houses are gone and their families are gone and all their possessions, all this stuff is gone. And the disappointment just seems to mount. That's the way disappointment does, isn't it? it it's, it's usually not that big of a deal, right? If you, if you were to find me 
a couple weeks from now, a couple days from now, a couple hours from now, uh, and say, man, you look kind of sad. I'm, like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just disappointed. You know, have you ever said that? You're not really angry. You're not sad. You're just, you're just disappointed. Um, it's almost like a second-rate emotion, right? You're, you're, just, you're just disappointed. It's not that big a deal. I get over it, but it's, it's, I'm just disappointed, right? But disappointment has a way of mounting into something that is significant. David's guys go from disappointment to disappointment to disappointment to anger to betrayal and on down the line. Eventually, the way the story ends, you should go back and read it, but the way the story ends is they return uh, to Ziklag, they go after the army and they overcome them, take their possessions and their people back and they return to Ziklag and you know the rest of the story, of course. So, that's the way disappointment works, though, isn't it? It may be nothing. The thing that you're experiencing is probably petty. It's probably small, right? It could be bigger. Disappointments come in all shapes and sizes, no doubt. But most likely, the thing that you're experiencing, as far as disappointment goes, is probably small. But then something else happens. And then something else happens. And the disappointment just seems to mount, doesn't it? Have you ever felt that? I have, and that's how disappointment works for me. And so when we are disappointed like that, we struggle. Um, we have to find a way to overcome it. Psalms are helpful in this instance. Psalms are helpful as we work through our emotions. All of Scripture, we know, right, is God-breathed. He he inspired, verbally inspired, each and every word in Scripture. Every word is special, and every book is special, right? But Psalms stand out even amongst a special book that is inspired by God. Psalms stand out because they are inspired prayers. They are God telling you how He would like for you to talk to Him. So, if God taught you how to talk to him, what kind of words do you think he'd use? What kind of phrases, what kind of manner would you expect him to teach you to talk to him with? We do this with our kids, right? Sometimes your kid will get mouthy, for lack of a better term. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of shoot some of that stuff back at you, some sarcasm or, or whatever. And you'll look at them and say, you can't talk to me like that, right? Parents, yeah, you've done that? I've done, it's just me, okay, cool. Um, so we do that. We teach our kids how to talk to us. You teach your friends how to talk to you, right? Uh, by our reactions and by our conversations we have with them. We teach people how to talk to us. God has taught us in Psalms how to talk to Him. And so what words and what manner would you expect Him to teach you to talk to him with. Well, with my kids, it's, it's a manner of respect, right? You can say whatever you want, but if you say it in a manner that's respectful, I'll hear it better and I will react better. I would expect the same from God. I expect him to say, when you speak to me, speak to me with reverence because I am holy, high, and lifted up, and you are not. I am God, the creator of the universe, and you are not. And so you speak to me when you speak to me. Come. Come speak to me, but I would expect him to say, 
when you speak to me, speak to me with reverence. And he does, on occasion, say that, right? Um, you are high and lifted up. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. He'll say that. Um, you are faithful. He's going to say that multiple times throughout the book of Psalms. You are kind and long-suffering. And I'm so grateful to be your child. He's going to say that throughout the book of Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not exactly the words that I would expect him to say when he's teaching me how to talk to him. Turn to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22, that's how Psalm 22 opens. Like we said, Psalms are special, right? Even in, in, a, even in, a, in the Bible, every book, every word is inspired. They're each one of them special. But Psalms stand out even among the Bible because they are God's inspiration. He's inspired prayers. And so he's teaching you how to talk to him. And one of the ways that he says, you should talk to me is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those aren't the first time you've heard those words, is it? Those words probably ring not from Psalm 22, maybe in your mind, but from the cross, right? Like James read for us this morning, Jesus co-ops these words from Psalm 22. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, as a matter of fact. Psalm 22 is. And often you find it on the lips of Jesus, as you do here on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You, you can feel, not the anger, Maybe not even the resentment, but the disappointment. I feel forgotten. I'm crying out and you don't answer me. And I expected you to answer me. And all I hear is silence. And I'm, I'm disappointed. Jesus is disappointed in God on the cross. It feels like God's forgotten him. Now has he? Has God forgotten Jesus? Has he betrayed Jesus? Of course not, right? It's not at all what's going on, but that's how it feels to Jesus. Now, you're going to find in Psalm 22 that God has not forgotten, that he's not answering the psalmist's prayer. He's there. He's completely aware of what David's going through in Psalm 22. He hasn't forgotten him. He hasn't betrayed him at all. But that's how it feels to David. Psalms are precious to us because they echo our emotions. These psalms, all of them, were intended to be rehearsed. They were intended to be recited. They were intended to be memorized and focused on. And so... During times of celebration, during times of mourning, during certain feasts, during certain days, during certain times of every day, these psalms were recited. They were rehashed all the time. This is what he wants you to memorize. Because it's important 
to be able to bring these things to him. Psalms is invaluable because it teaches us that. He's okay with your disappointments. In fact, when you're disappointed, what does he want you to do? He wants you to bring it to him. That's what the psalmist does. That's what Jesus does on the cross, right? Co-opting this psalm, quoting this psalm, because it's, it exactly reflects his emotions on the cross. It's how he feels. It's not reality, but it is how he feels. And so he quotes Psalm 22 from the cross. And I am almost positive if you've gone through significant trouble yourself, if you've gone through a season of disappointment yourself, where those disappointments just seem to add up, I bet you felt like this. You may not have uttered these words, but I bet you, I bet you felt forgotten. I bet you felt betrayed by God. I bet you felt unheard. I bet you felt disappointed. And I'm curious what we do with that disappointment when we feel it. Because we're all going to feel it. It's part of life. You can't get out of life without being disappointed. A lot of the things that we've talked about through this series, as we've thought about unstoppable families and, and how we persevere through, all the things that we persevere through are things that everybody deals with. And so you push through them in a way that honors God, in a way that sticks with Him, in a way that leans into Him. And so how do you do that with disappointment? I think Psalm 22 helps us. Listen to what he says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? You ever been in that spot where you're praying and all it comes out are, are groans and tears? That's where the psalmist is. He, he, it's almost like he can't even utter the words. He's, he's hurting so bad. It just comes out as, as groanings. Oh my God, I cry by day. But you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. He, he can't sleep when he's awake at, at, during the day. He's, he's pouring out his heart to God. And when he should be sleeping, he can't sleep because of this pain and this disappointment, this grief has overwhelmed him. And so he, he's praying then too. One of the things that we need to do when we encounter disappointment like this is to lean into our relationship with Him. Often, when you're disappointed with anybody, human or God, what happens? If you're disappointed with your spouse, if you're disappointed with your friend, what will you do? You will, if that disappointment lasts long enough and it mounts long enough, what will you do? You will pull back, won't you? I'm not going to trust that friend anymore. I leaned on them and they, they failed me. They betrayed me. They forgot me. You, you'll pull back, won't you? It's a normal human reaction. When we encounter disappointment, we can't pull back from God. We have to lean in because He's the only one who can help. There's nowhere else to go. He's the only one who has the answers. And so we lean into our relationship with Him. We focus on our prayer life. David doesn't pull back when he gets disappointed in God. He refocuses. 
He spends day and night pleading with God to hear his prayer, to answer his prayer. And he writes this prayer as a consequence of that moment, of that season. He intentionally prays a focused prayer. Is that how we handle disappointment? Do we immediately dive back into prayer, a, a concentrated, a, a focused prayer? Or are we pulling back? If we want to handle disappointment in a way that honors God, if we want to persevere through our disappointment, prayer has to be at the center of our lives during those seasons, especially during those seasons. A lot of times we think the goal of prayer is to, maybe you don't think this, but I think at the foundation of what we think, we may not be willing to admit it, but this is how we think about prayer. The goal of prayer is to really get what I want, right? And if God doesn't give you what you want, what do you feel? Disappointment, right? The goal of prayer is not to get what you want. Because he's not, God's not a, a magic genie that you rub the lamp and he grants you three wishes. That's not how prayer functions. The goal of prayer is not to get what you want. The goal of prayer is to get on the same page as God. To be able to agree with him. And so you stay in prayer long enough. And stay in scripture long enough. So that you want what he wants in this season of disappointment. And you don't leave that prayer. Maybe you go to work. Maybe you drive. Maybe you take care of the kids. Maybe you go to the grocery store. But you don't leave that, that prayer until you're there. You keep coming back to it day and night. That's what David does. In this season of disappointment, we, we, don't, we don't really know what's going on specifically uh, in his life. We, we think this is some season when he's running from Saul, but that happens for about 10 years. And there's various um, catastrophes that happen in David's life during that 10-year block. So we don't know exactly which one's happening during this time period. But whatever's going on, I see him just staying in this, this prayer until he can agree with God, until he's, he's on the same page as God. He's thinking like God. He wants what God wants in this instance. And through this season of disappointment, you see how you lean in to this relationship? Often we want to pull back. He says, that's, that's not helpful. That's harmful. You pull back away from God during the season of disappointment. Guess what happens? You just stay in that season of disappointment and now you're without God. It's time to lean in to Him. That's what unstoppable families do. To persevere through disappointment, we lean in to prayer. Listen to what else he says. In verse 3, yet. He's, he's going to do this several times throughout Psalm 22. He's going to go through his disappointment. He's going to remind you. He's going to remind God of his disappointment. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. 
To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. He says, you showed up for them. Why aren't you showing up for me? But he knows that he will. David knows that God will show up for him. He's convinced of it. And you'll you'll find that as you read through Psalm 22. But there's something in these three verses that, that you probably need to see that are helpful. And they outline the rest of Psalm 22. And they are helpful for us as we persevere through disappointment. What can we do as we pray? How can we push through disappointment? Look at verse 3. Underline verse 3. You praise God harder in your disappointments than you do in good seasons. You're more in His camp. You sing His praises louder in your seasons of disappointment than you do in your, se- in your good seasons. When there's bounty, when, there, when your cup's overflowing. We've all had those moments, right? When everything is turning up daisies. We're really good at praising them then, right? We're really good at returning thanks and praise then. But during our seasons of disappointment, it's helpful for us. You may not feel like it, but it is helpful for us to stop and return thanks and praise. That's one of the things that help us persevere through our disappointment, to remind ourselves that He is God, that He is holy, that He is good, and that relationship with Him is all that matters. Everything else, if I lost it, as long as I had relationship with Him, I'd be just fine. And when I get to a point in life where everything else has been cut away and my relationship with Him is the only thing I have left to lean on, what do you find biblical characters doing? Praising. That's what the Jewish people do during the exile. In fact, the section of Psalms that was written during the exile, I think there's 16 Psalms written during the exile. Guess how many of them are praise Psalms? 13. 13 of them are praise Psalms. During our disappointment, during our grief, one of the things that helps us push through it is praise. That's not all, though. Look at what it says in verse 4. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. Go back through and remember all the ways that God has been faithful to you. Go back through and look at Scripture and find all the ways that He's been faithful to people in the past. He's a faithful God. He delivers. He does good. We need to focus on that during our seasons of disappointment. Because often what you think, what I think, during my disappointment is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? That's what you think too, I would imagine. It's what goes through my head during my seasons of disappointment. Why are you so far from hearing me? I'm crying out, I'm pleading with you, but you don't seem to be answering. Why aren't you answering? Well, he's answered in the past. He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful in the future because this is a God who keeps promises. It's in His nature. This is not something He chooses to do. This is something that He can't not do. Once He makes a promise, once He makes a covenant, He keeps it. We're the ones who break covenant. He doesn't break covenant. 
He listens. He hears. He doesn't always answer your prayer the way you want him to. Because that's not what's good for you, right? In our seasons of disappointment, one of the things that's helpful for us is to remember how good he has been, how faithful he's been in the past. Verse 5 gives us our last tidbit. And you see it in verse 4 too. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. You trust them. You're in the midst of your season of disappointment when life seems to be falling apart, when nothing seems to be going right. Our human normal reaction is to pull back, and we can't. He says, you lean in. You trust me. Everything's going to be just fine. I've got this. And it may not turn out the way you want it to turn out, but he's got this. It's a lot like trusting someone else. It's a lot like trusting your spouse or a friend. And they'll say something like, just trust me, I've got this. I'll handle this. It's going to be just fine. In the back of your head, you think, yeah, but you haven't always what? You haven't always been faithful. Sometimes you messed up. Sometimes you make the wrong decision. Sometimes you don't always act in my good. What's interesting about all of those excuses when we point them at a human is those don't apply to God. He's never not been faithful. He's never messed up. He's never not acted in my best interest. He's always been pushing me towards my good, the things that work out for my benefit, the things that make me more like Christ. Look in verse, kind of got behind my, my PowerPoint. Wow. Okay. Psalm 22, uh, 6 through 8. He, he reminds you, he reminds himself how far um, away from what he wants to be, he really is. Um, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights. In him. That word delight, that means so much more to me now than it did five or ten years ago, right? Um, Psalm 42, the the psalm we talked about last week, is that relationship that we where we delight in him, that we we long for his presence in our lives. And if if we don't have anything else, we've got his presence in our lives, then everything is just fine. It's good. But if I have everything else and I don't have him, nothing is fine, right? This is a picture of someone who is completely devoted to God. They delight in him. They don't go through the motions. They do what's right because they long to be in his presence. And that's how you get to be in his presence. You do righteous things. You live holy lives. They delight in him. The people that have taken account of David's life, they've seen how he delights in the Lord. They're now using that against him during this season where it seems like God has forsaken him, where God has betrayed him, where he's disappointed with God. They're throwing that back in his face. You live a life like this? You delight in him? If you delight in him so much, then let him come save you. Where else have you heard those, that phrase? Jesus on the cross, right? He saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. It's Psalm 22 again. Jesus is our fellow 
sufferer, but he's more than that. In Psalm 22, he is the ultimate sufferer. He exactly um, replicates every bit of Psalm 22. It's, it's all about him. Um, he is the, the perfect, the ultimate sufferer. What's so interesting about that is there's no sin. He, he didn't have sin. And so this, this season of disappointment in God for him wasn't sinful. Your disappointment may not be connected to sin either, and so it may not be sinful. Right? So let's, let's dive into this, this next little bit here. We're going to cover this very quickly. Go back through and read Psalm 22, 11 through 21. Read the whole psalm um, on, on your own today. But his, his plea here in, in Psalm 22, 11 through 21 is that God be closer to me than my troubles. There's, there's adversaries on every side. And I don't seem to be able to find a reprieve. Every time I think there's, I see daylight at the end of the tunnel, somebody comes in and they squash it. And I need you, Yahweh, to be closer to me than my troubles are because they seem so close. I can barely breathe. I need you that close. I need you to be so close to me that you're overwhelming me. The last bit, Psalm 22, 19-31, is all about this outline uh, that we talked about earlier, where you focus on praise, you remind yourself of God's faithfulness, and you reinvest in trust in Him, because He's the only one who's capable of saving you through this season of disappointment. Like we said a couple times throughout this, this lesson, Jesus is the ultimate sufferer here. He embodies every word in Psalm 22. He knows what it's like to feel disappointment in God. If you've ever felt disappointment, if you've ever cried out, if you've ever prayed and felt like He hasn't heard you, Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. He's been there. He's walked a mile in your shoes, right? It's not reality. And even our psalmist knows that. He knows that how he feels isn't reality. But it is how he feels. And God is fine, content, wants you to bring your disappointment to him. If he didn't, he wouldn't have written it in Psalms. Again, it's something that they would have rehearsed. It's something that they would have memorized. They come in contact with this on a daily basis. He's fine with you bringing your disappointment to Him. He wants you to bring your disappointment to Him. As long as you lean into Him. You remember to focus on praise. You remember His faithfulness and you don't turn away from Him. Where else would you go? That's what Peter said, right? When 
many of Jesus' followers had left, Jesus looked at Peter and said, do you guys want to go away, to go away as well? Are the twelve going to leave me now too? And you remember what Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. Disappointment's hard. Like, like all the other things that we've talked about throughout, throughout this series, they're hard, right? Nobody wants to be in these, this season, but you learn some things in these seasons that you can't learn any other ways. There's opportunities here when you're in this season for good, to grow closer to Him, to learn some things that you can't learn any other way. Maybe today you're struggling and, and you need the prayers of this congregation to lean into Him, to trust Him, to remember His faithfulness, to, to praise Him when it's hard. We understand that. Jesus understands that. God understands that. And He's given us an entire book to help us reflect our emotions, that particular emotion specifically, back to Him so that we lean in to Him. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, your sins are still on your record. You're still accountable for those things, but you don't have to be. That's the good news in Christ. When He said this from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's in His death taking all those sins away. Through the power of baptism, they have the ability to be washed away. If you need to make that decision this morning, we would love to study with you. Um, about how God can save you, how your sins can be washed away. Maybe you, maybe you need to make that decision this morning. If you have any need this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Um, if you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you, uh, we'd love to have record of your attendance. Um, you can either hand it to a member or place it in the black box in the back. Um, but we'd we're glad you decided to worship with us this morning. On uh, church news, what's going on uh, here at Rome, um, for all men, the June schedule is out on the foyer table. Uh, pl men, please grab one of these schedules. Um, uh, see if your name's on there, so that way that helps Dickie out uh, when he's trying to gather everybody uh, for the, the serve that morning. So uh, please grab that. Now, I know it's a busy time during this time of the year, during the summer, and we have a lot of people going out of town. So if you're not able to make it, and you can inform him that you're not going to be able to uh, either serve in that capacity. But uh, if you can grab that schedule, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, life group news, life group one, uh, it's Rick and Drew and Chad's life group, uh, will meet up front next Sunday morning after services. So that's life, huh? Oh, in the fellowship hall, I'm sorry. In the fellowship hall, we'll meet in the fellowship hall, life group one, next Sunday. Also, uh, life group two and life group five will meet up front uh, after services uh, this morning. Uh, so that's Life Group 5, that's Gary Leaps and John Kelly's Life Group, and that's Mike Williams and Jason Stevens' Life Group. We'll meet up front. Um, youth news, as, uh, as you can tell, the church is decorated for Vacation Bible School. Uh, that is, starts tonight at 6.30. Our service will start at 6.30 instead of 6 uh, because of Vacation Bible School, but it lasts till 8.30. So please uh, encourage your kids to come to Vacation Bible School, your grandkids, your neighbors, uh, we'd love to have them all week this week. It's a lot of fun, and what a great opportunity we have to um, get out in the community and, and uh, teach our children about God and, and our, our mission in, in, in his life. So um, that's all the announcements I have. Um, updates from our prayers list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus in our prayers and Sean Maynard and Jim Haney and Amber Spitzer in your prayers as they... Uh, continue to deal with their cancer treatment, so keep them in your prayers. And keep Darby McLeod in your prayers as well. She has a kidney stone, and she's in a lot of pain at this time, so keep Darby in your prayers as well. And I know we have a lot of people traveling uh, during this time, so keep all those ones who are traveling in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6.30. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing number 383, Just Over in the Glory Land. We'll sing the first two verses, and then Brother Drew Clark will have a prayer. I was home prepared where the saints abide, just over in the glory land. And I hope to be by my Savior's life, just over in the glory land.
Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to come here, sing praises to you, and listen to a portion of your word. Father, we pray that the lessons that were taught here today, that we can effectively apply them to our lives in the week going forward. We pray that you'll watch over all of us and help us to make decisions that are pleasing unto you. Father, we ask a special prayer for those who are sick, those who may not have been able to attend here with us this morning and and especially a prayer for those who may have chosen not to come and, and worship you and explore your word today. Father, we pray that you'll watch over us. We pray that you'll keep us safe as we depart from here, and we ask that uh, you'll do so until we return at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 